so I was trying to speak to my box. Well, that's 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 the problem number one. If you're speaking just into a box and not into a microphone, you can't just close the lid and the recording stays in there. <laughs> yeah, come on, it doesn't work. It's not it's not it's not a jar of whispers. Hey, look, I've seen I've seen enough bloody um, fictional things I've, to know. I've seen enough boxes in my time All right? to know. <laughs> right, is everyone recording? Should we do the yes. count in? Yeah. All right, three, ah, one, no. <laughs> I Hello and welcome to the 3T <laughs> RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Hunt and with me is Nick Lamley. Hello. And we've got the boy, it's James Clark. Ah! <laughs> Stop being such a count. Right. Uh, yeah, this is an this is an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs and today we've got we got this fucking show, right? It's going to be into fucking stellar. All right. Yes. I hope so because I got a fucking clue. <laughs> we've, got, we've got feedback, we've got news, we've got what we've been slaying, the main subject, which is going to be the RPG that predates D&D, if you can believe such a thing. <laughs> and then we've got your electro letters. So, uh, shall we do some feeds? Yeah, feed it. I'll get, I'll get the grains out. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. All right. Uh, so, um, HB comes in with the first feedback. Last week, um, we spoke about our dark army, which you can join by donating on Patreon. HB says, "I'll join the cult if I get a house, food, pool, and a robe. In fact, just a robe and some biscuits, hobnobs." Now, we were very clear last episode. It is not a cult for tax and legal reasons. It is an army. So yeah, uh, just bear that in mind. But if you want to join, go over to Patreon right now and donate a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one comes in from Yorkus Rex. So last week, obviously, we talked about uh, Hackmaster and their module Little Keep on the Borderlands and we knew it was a reference to something but couldn't quite figure out what it was and uh, Yorkus he says Little Keep on the Borderlands name was a play on the American television series called Little House on the Prairie of course which I do know of like I I knew the name but when I saw that I was was kicking myself because it's quite fucking obvious now that he mentions it. Because <laughs> I've ever watched an episode. No, me neither. But is, I do know. Is that of the, with it. the Robinsons? Is that that one? Is that the same thing? It, I think so. Is it the one when they're like, no, I think it was something else. What's the one when they go, night, night, Jim Bob, night, little thingy? <laughs> no, I think that is it, isn't it? <laughs> night, little thingy. I don't know. <laughs> little thing, night, little thingy. Sorry. Any American listeners there? That was a terrible, terrible impression. <laughs> Not little Jim Bob. Yeah, I thought I think it is that, isn't it? Uh, so certainly, some Americans are going to get get like, they're getting really angry now because I think Mr. the Mister Robinson, that was that that was like Family Matters or something like this, wasn't What's it? What's the don't get confused with the Brady Bunch? That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm going to have to look at it now. 
I was going to say, and it's a good thing we researched the uh, answer, eh? <laughs> I've got better things to do, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Sam Riviera, he comes in with the next one. He says, dudes, because of how much you talk about Savage Worlds, I've got the call rules, and we're going to try it this Saturday. Thanks for being rad. Fucking good, know us. I'm pleased. You fucking this know is, us, man. It, this is really like we've yeah. we've, given, we've sent so many people over to Pinnacle by this point. We should be on staff, don't you think? Should be like a yeah. finder's fee, shouldn't it? Yeah. Finders I agree. Here's his zero point zero zero five p. That is the sort of rate you'll get <laughs> out of Pinnacle. To be fair, here's a bookmark that you have to wait six months for. Here's a bookmark with a picture of a pound on it. But then advertising <laughs> about the thing that you've been um, given to other people. Um, I saved the best feedback till last, though. Uh, we got one in from Bubblehead Ted. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> this one this one just made me laugh because he uh, commented on the Mork Borg actual plays and he says, "Bravo, well done." It matters not, my lord. It's torture time. Deserves to be a Mork Borg T-shirt. <laughs> oh, mate. And that, uh, I just thought that was brilliant because I, I I didn't. Uh, well, I obviously forgotten that you'd said that, and that's uh, immediately <laughs> upon too. reading that, I knew it was like a torn quote because it's like so torn. <laughs> that, is, that is brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't listened to the actual plays, go ahead and go ahead and do that now because it's got such brilliant quotes as that. That was Nick's character, who is a uh, a cult herb master. We should He's a drug uh, dealer. We should pitch that T-shirt yeah. idea to the Murky Burky lads. Vets, let's do that. That's a great idea. Well, we don't want them getting their money for it, surely. No, no because um, as part of it, it would, we do be, knock-offs? Uh, it would put our logo on it. <laughs> well, we make uh... knockoff t-shirts of our own <laughs> quotes. Is that what you're saying, Nick? <laughs> but make it look like it's Mork Borg. That's right. <laughs> come, into a su- come into a store near you, a pirate t-shirt of a t-shirt that doesn't exist. Shameless. <laughs> and that's it for feedback, lads. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, news punch. New Ravenloft book happening. So Hasbro has just had their annual investor meeting, and it's been a record year for Monopoly. Cool. Fuck's sake. That's that's not got much to do with it, but it was a record year for both Monopoly and D and D, which is kind of weird. Oh, that's wicked though. (laughs) Exactly, and uh, yeah, they said that that what they're doing, their plan for sort of the next year is to start making um, TV shows, comics, and things like this. So there is uh, a movie based on Risk coming out. That's not the news, by the way, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Are you yeah, joking? Uh, unfortunately not. No, I really am not. I mean, is it? I mean, it depends how they. It depends how they do it, right? So you know, Risk is, from what I understand, I, I've never played it, but it's like a kind of war-based game where you 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 take you invade countries and 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 gain it's like ground, the most right? rules like war game ever and it is yeah it's fucking boring to play i'll be honest with you but we used to play it a lot when we were teenagers and it just it takes forever and it's like what's the film gonna look like though is it gonna be the actual countries is it just gonna be like a really dramatic version of a board game so it's just like a bunch of kids meet up and it's all done like super did you ever see um i used to watch malcolm in the middle a lot and did you ever yeah, see the episode too. where it was like um where they were playing risk and none of them could bear to leave the table because they thought people were going to cheat while they were gone and it was it was like really dramatic i don't know if you could <laughs> well, set, you go, stretch then. it to two that hours but no so anyway, it was a good 20 minute episode so we're getting D&D comics Look, this, then. This isn't Risk cast. That's oh. what we're doing afterwards. Yeah, so there's, okay. well, there's going to be a D&D film and Hugh Grant's just been cast in it, which is uh, pretty cool. 
And uh, yeah, so because of the record year in sales in D and D, they've they've also announced you know new products, right? So we get new Dragonlance shit, which is obvious because those new novels are coming out. Yeah, but yeah, fucking new Ravenloft book releasing on May eighteenth. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, mm, and it's got okay. new sub subclasses for bards and warlocks. It's got new race options and dark gifts, which are like supernatural abilities, which have been granted to you by the Dark Lords and shit. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And they also, every time you get one of these powers, they sort of mutate you in some way, which I just think is pretty cool. So, yeah, on the DM side of the book, uh, Wizards, they're going to give the lowdown on various domains within Ravenloft, as well as the uh, detailed the Lords, Dark Lords, and all of this shit. But there's also going to be rules for creating your own domains and Dark Lords, which is a welcome addition, and I think that's pretty cool. And there's going to be the usual adventure and some monsters in there. But it's so... The other Ravenloft book that came out for 5e was just sort of an adventure and all about Strahd and Barovia and all of that stuff. So this one's going to be the actual, like, the, the proper shit. So that's pretty fucking The guide cool. too. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if... I will probably will end up getting it because I love anything Ravenloft. It's really good. But <laughs> yeah. the... Um, yeah, I've got the old uh, second edition one, Domains of Dread, which is basically that. But I suppose if you're playing 5e, this is a pretty fucking good book. So, yeah, I am excited, basically. I think it's cool. Yeah, but watch this space. Watch this space. Um, and also, new 3T RPG product is coming out soon, which I was supposed to work on this week, but then I got really ill. Um, we're doing a one-page uh, <laughs> RPG. We're doing a one-page RPG called The Night of a Thousand Draculas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yes, we've, we've we got are. most of it written. I just need to yeah. sort out the layout, and uh, it's just going to be a, a free. Bit more and then we're done. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a free product. Well, we'll put it as pay what you want in case anyone wants to go us an hundred quid for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, fucking. And so, so yeah, it's going to. It's based probably, you know, quite heavily on the Honey Heist rule set with a couple of changes, and it's all about uh, you have to go to a horror convention and figure out which Dracula is the real Dracula um, because yep. he's infiltrated this convention, and uh, yeah, obviously, loads of people are cosplaying as Dracula, so that makes it hard. And you play as members of Vatican, who are a elite vampire, well, Dracula hunting squad from. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, yes. So yeah, that'll be coming to you soon. And also, we released uh, well, we released another product, didn't we? And it's become our most popular product by a fucking country mile. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have anything to do with it. So Richard Walcock, nope. he's made three pregens for Saga of the Goblin Horde, and uh, he's allowed us to put it out through our publishing company. And it's, I mean, it's just devastating, really, to, in, a, in a sense, because we, really, we put a lot of work into our products, and this is like a free one that somebody else made, and it proves, really, that we aren't talented, Nick. Well, it is Richard, though. You're never going to compare to that genius, are you? That's true, no. that's true. Yeah, it was Richard Walcock that made it, and big thank you to him, and download those pregens if you want. They're yeah. quite funny, and they are, um, they include loads of in-jokes to the podcast. Yes. yeah, yeah. One thing is, though, because he's given us, like, hindrances based on our personalities, right? And I've noticed that some of them get a little bit nasty. I've got to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) They cut. They cut a bit deep. My one has got the hindrance (laughs) stares at his crotch when talking to people. And I know... That I'm really awkward and have trouble doing doing eye contact with people, and he's put that in there. And also, I, I I thought when I first met him that I did really well and that nobody noticed how awkward I was, but apparently not. But that was his. Um, wasn't that um, the first time we met him was when he 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 put those breech hands out? 
Mm. Yeah, I think it was. <clears throat> so somehow he knew. Um, He's been spying a little on bit, us. A l- little bit hurt by that one. Got to be honest with you, but um, <laughs> that's fine. Well, you got to stop fine. staring at your crotch, mate, and then you know, yeah. it wouldn't be a problem. I trying. I try. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. And the final bit of news is that I've done a baby up my wife. Yeah. 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 Congratulations, podcast baby. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. No, it's got nothing to do with you two. Get you stay right away from my baby. Hold on. It's 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 merch. It's merch. Actually, <laughs> yeah, actually, James did get me some merch for my yeah, baby. Did you he got a three T. Baby grow printed up. So, yeah, Amazing. My, my wife is currently pregnant, proving that I have had sex with a lady. Um, unless the baby comes out and it's of a different ethnic background, shall we say, then yep. then we'll know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, just wanted to mention it here because of the future of the podcast. Obviously, we're still going to keep doing it, but the likelihood is that we're going to try to finish up the actual play before it's born because there's no chance I'm going to be able to do them while it is being born or has been born. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Makes okay. sense. So that's it, yeah. Okay. Uh, watch this space. So this podcast is going to get pretty bad once you realise that there's a baby screeching in the background. So, But we're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try our best. All right. <laughs> well, that is it for fucking news. Shall we do what we've been slaying? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What you slaying? All right, lads, let's talk about tough guys. Oh, my goodness, mate. So or Insane guys. Insane guys. Or mentally yeah, I mean, challenged um, guys. <laughs> that's true. That's just our life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Tough Guys is the uh, London expansion to Wise Guys, the gangster game for Savage Worlds. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been playing that. Uh, the guys have got a uh, basically they're part of this gang called the Holloway Firm. Uh, Nick is an area boss, and all the guys work for him. All the other PCs. So yeah, we've um, they've been given domain over um, an area in East London called Wolford, fictional area, and they're <laughs> trying to yeah trying to cut their their slice of the criminal underworld out. It's pretty funny because, um, yeah, so we just did a mission where, I mean, this is probably the most brutal Savage Worlds mission I've ever run. Um, And the characters had to basically go and set up a deal with some drug manufacturers in Africa. That was essentially what it was. And uh, in order Mm. to do so, it was kind of a stitch up because the boss kind of put it to these guys like, hey, um, look, we've got this great opportunity for you. You know, it's going to be good. You're going to get some drugs to put out via your gang. Um, and uh, I'm just, you know, chucking you a bone. But actually, really what it was, was that uh, you had to smuggle some guns through customs to trade for the drugs. And uh, yeah, I just watched this documentary, you know, about how cocaine is made. And, mm. um, yeah, a lot of these factories are, like, deep in the jungle. So, obviously, the guys That's had right. to... Uh, not only smuggle a box of guns but also get them deep into the jungle and they got attacked by jaguars um so yeah that was fun they turned out to be way more deadly than realized yeah well (laughs) because well they do do strength plus d12 damage so i mean i should have i should have seen it coming but basically yeah the guys once they got to the jungle were sort of pincer maneuvered on this like rickety bridge by two jaguars in there Mm. Yeah, Nick, your character got all sorts of fucked up, didn't he? I mean, you're, he's playing Big this time. aging dance player. And uh, yeah, so 
first of all, before they got were, were got to the jungle, they were, you know, flown there by this uh, African mercenary pilot and attacked by a DEA helicopter. Nick got put up to three wounds, two fatigue, and fucking yeah. Uh, one of the other characters died. And then they hit the jungle and got attacked by jaguars. And then when they realised that they, that they were going to lose to the big cats, one of them took out the bridge, sending them all plummeting into rapids and nearly dying. Yep. It was fucking insane. Yep. It was. Yep. It and was I felt really sorry for you, Nick, because you couldn't roll for shit all night. And then on top no, of that, you, by the night. end of it, you had a minus five to all your rolls. It was so bad. Oh, mate, I was such a mess. Yeah, I was such a mess. But I survived, thank God. Yeah, somehow. That, somehow. Yeah. That's, the, that's the lucky part. But they did it. And they got the drugs. They've also uh, recruited the African mercenary lady to join their crew as a pilot and yep. as a bodyguard. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, then last last session was a bit fucking weird because here's the dizzle. In Wise Guys, you can play a Benny <laughs> at any point, which is like a reroll token, to uh, get the uses of a contact. But once you've done it, once they've helped you out with something, say for example, you hire a cleaner to clean up a crime scene, you then owe them a favour, and you can't call in their services until you've done them the favour. And after be after one previous episode where they got really fucked up, they uh, got the help of an ex mob doctor who's now a vet to patch them up, and uh, yeah, then he now they owed him a favour and he wanted them to get an exotic animal to sell to one of his clients. So what do we do last session, Nick? Well, you know what every well, what any normal person would do. You go and uh, rob the zoo. <laughs> Yes, and uh, well, first of all, they wanted to get an animal for one of the uh, one of the PCs who has the Beastmaster um, Edge. So they wanted to get him a new That's animal because his wolf died um, a couple of sessions Ooh. ago. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, they stole a koala and a sloth from the zoo. <laughs> and what was pretty funny is Nick, when when you were running out of the fucking place, this fight started up because one of them, as a distraction, opened up every cage in the zoo. So we had security guards, the PC gangs wolves and lions um in in a in all in a single fight nick grabs the sloth legs it sees a bus sort of pulling into a bus stop and waves it down <laughs> but the fucking obviously the bus driver sees the the lions that are chasing him and tries to close yep. the door but nick your maneuver that you did to get onto the bus tell us about it it was beautiful mate well, so I could see the bus doors closing, and uh, you know the 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 window of opportunity is closing very fast on me. Um, so I had no other alternative but to use my wicked dart eyes to uh, pinpoint the emergency open button, and then lob an arrow, and I clip, clip, just clipped the button to make the steel back doors open. It was back brilliant. Up it was like at, at a minus four as well, and Nick just gets out his yeah. pack of darts and just and chucks a couple, hits the door, and gets on the bus. It was so fucking good. I also, you know, yeah. ramped up the silly a little bit because even when you're on the bus, like you'd made it to the bus, he was still trying to desperately quickly sell you a ticket before the lines got on the bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid. He, he was like, so uh, good. Where, where are you going? And you were just like anywhere. And he's like, presses a random button. Oh. That'll be forty-seven pounds. Is fifty. Close the door. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I think the, uh, the the mercenary, the African mercenary that was with me, was like, "What about the others?" He's like, "Oh, they'd be all right. They're big boys." <laughs> you, yeah, you drove off like past the zoo, watching them sort of like punching fucking <laughs> wolves like, in the face. Yeah, he's, he's That's in, the perks of being an area boss. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's sitting there exactly. in safety, drives past this absolute miasma of chaos in the zoo that is us, and he's just like mm-hmm. stares at us, doesn't even wave. 
You'll come back to the chippy, though. You're fine. What was great about it, though, was that fucking um, sort of Nick Scarper, James, your character, he's got BMX, so he, he's fucking legged it out of there. Mo Exotic, <laughs> the football hooligan, he runs yep. out. And what's funny is because one character died on the African mission, he brought in a new character, and he he's he's also an African mercenary that, that hid on their plane to get home, um, to get out of That's Africa. It, yeah. And now they've given him a job in the gang. But this was their first order of business upon um, arriving back in England. So when everyone legged it, and suddenly they <laughs> left um, Paul Payne is the guy's name. They put they left him on his own, just in the middle of fucking London. He had no idea where <laughs> he was going to go. His country before, yeah. <laughs> it was just like uh, it only occurred to everyone at the point where I was like, okay, you've all escaped, you're safe, everything's fine. And then we cut to Payne, and he's just looking around the busy intersection in London, not sure where to go. <laughs> it's just like, bless him. Oh, <laughs> so God. bad. It was so funny. And, and yeah, he went into, and this isn't me sort of, you know, bringing up taboo subjects specifically when we role play. It's just a thing, you know. He went into a racist pub in London, which are things that exist in this country, yeah, sadly. Yeah. We had one in, in our town. And, um,. Obviously, he's a black guy, and they uh, so a fight ensued, and it was so badass. What he did was the 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 three of these like skinheads in the pub sort of overwhelmed him and battered him to the ground. He gets three wounds, right, which means he's on a minus three for every roll. Just as he's sort of like picking teeth out of his mangled face, he, he just he just turns it around and he's like "fuck you" and pulls out his desert eagles and just absolutely wastes the lot of them, like with a couple <laughs> of miracle yeah. rolls. And it was absolutely fucking great. Amazing. And he's like. Where is the fish and chip shop or whatever? Like he's trying to get back to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh. God, so it, good. It's, it was it was a very very fun session, and then of course you know we ended it with a uh, just encounter with a monster. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, so yeah, games. No, sorry. Um, so yeah, essentially there was a person they needed to get rid of in a previous episode, and they chucked her in the Thames. Um, she climbed out and come back for revenge, and uh, yeah, they had a fight with her in uh, in in their local pub. So yeah, it was pretty pretty fucking good. Um, what's weird though is is it like these sessions like the wise guys specifically and tough guys because you're playing bad guys. It's like the players just go a bit mental and sort of do whatever they feral, want, which is don't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think I think well, that's a really good thing. I thought it was like, is that just our group? But um, one of my friends, Emma, she's played in both Wise Guys and Tough Guys and spoke about it. She was like, I fucking love this thing because people just go wild when they play. And I'm like, okay, so it's not just <laughs> us then. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's, just a, it's just a really good game to be able to do that. Exactly, and yeah, because you're playing criminals, you know, as long as you, yeah. as long as you get stuff done. I mean, uh, let's put it this way: currently, they're sort of buying drugs off a child, soldier, have stolen <laughs> mm-hmm. a house off of a family, um, and it's it's going well. Now they're selling drugs out of a fish and chip shop. Bit of extortion to get a fish and chip shop. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they stole the fish and chip shop off poor Ian Beale as well. Kinda, kinda. We uh, yeah. made it so he handed over the deeds to us. You got. We mm. went through sort of a a sort of sub legal loophole. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we created our own loophole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we fucked him over. That's right. That's right. Thanks, but that's yeah, that's tough, guys. I mean, it's it's been really really fun, and it will continue to be fun. And at the moment, I I think we're just sort of the guys are just following up their own goals. They've got a steady <clears> thing of income coming in with the cocaine, so yep. at the moment it's sort of doing a bit of cleanup. So they needed to do a favour for the vet, so we did that. 
as for what's going to happen next session, I'm the faintest fucking idea. Who we'll knows? Just, we'll we see never know. <laughs> just see what happens. I love the way when it's like Harrison's like, right. So what you what what, what you doing, guys? Thinking there's going to be some joined up approach, and it's like, well, you know, I need to go see my girlfriend, and someone's like, well, I got to get a new pair, and it's just yeah, yeah. It's like three things like, that people need every to man do for himself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the great thing though. Like Wise Guys, it's got a lot of baked-in rules for things like that. I mean, like for example, when you guys said, "I think we'll go to the zoo and steal an animal," I thought maybe you go to Pets at Home or, or, or PetSmart, <laughs> as it was called in the nineties. <laughs> but I, I thought I thought something like that. But anyway, there's quick heist rules in Wise Guys, so we don't spend the whole yeah. evening planning out how to do how to steal a sloth from a zoo. <laughs> um, yeah, we just did a quick heist. But the funny thing was, is that guy that the guy that wanted an exotic animal ended up with a koala. Um, yeah, he was he's a football hooligan, and I was like, okay, so what's everyone <clears throat> doing, right? So in a quick heist, you earn bennies that you can spend during like an extended task, essentially. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm like, what's everyone doing? We'll start with you, Mo, because obviously you're the one who wants to go and get an animal, and he's like, I'm going to a fucking pub. Okay, <laughs> not sure how that helps. I just said okay, fine. Just let's just see if you can get courage and not get sick from drinking like eight pints, right? But yep. it's just yeah, and then it's just like, well, you expect you know this really cool scene where everyone's doing their little things and they're sticking together as a team and working like a unit. But it's like one's down the pub, one's off to the side annoying the wolves. You're down the library, which you found out was closed. <laughs> like it's just it's <laughs> pretty funny. You, you, you went to the library to research sloth care. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Of course, it's like imagine that in like an Ocean's Eleven film. It's like they're cool, the cool sort of preparation montage, and then it's just one of them <laughs> knocking on a library door. Hello? Oh, it's closed. <laughs> I should have known. What Bagger. time is it? Midnight. Oh, oh. <laughs> silly me. <laughs> and then them completely, and then going in completely bodging the robbery and alerting security, then releasing all the animals. I mean, that would be a good yep. fucking film. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, agreed. We'll, we'll, we'll shut up now about tough guys. But um, in, in addition to that, I uh, just wanted to mention recently, I've been reading uh, some ICRPG. I know we've played this before, Ooh. and I've spoken to it about it before. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because there's a uh, Master Edition coming. Because there's what? the ICRPG's Index Card RPG, for those that don't know. Mm. And it's an OSR game with a lot of really unique approaches to the way you do stuff in games. For example, like... There's no such thing as an extended kill skill challenge or kill challenge, in fact, um, because uh, non no, no like non enemy things also have kind of a hit point. So if you're climbing a big mountain, you yep. um will t- use something called effort, which is like damage but for things that don't get damaged. So you would use effort to try and get to the top, and then let's say it's got ten effort, so it means that it's going to take you a number of turns. And if you're in the if your other people are in a fight at the time, it means that people that are doing non-combat actions actually still get to sort of participate in a combaty type way. Like if mm-hmm. somebody's trying to unlock a door while they're fending off guards, then everyone gets to be part of the fun, which is pretty fucking cool. Rather than yeah, exactly, one it's cool. And you also kind of stay in turn order. There's loads and loads of really cool things about it, but it comes with a big fucking uh, load of paper minis to print and index cards uh, to use as prompts and things like this. So yeah, I've just I've been reading that and I've just printed off all my all, all my shit as well. Just got a local company to do it. Cost me barely anything, and I've got like two hundred minis now, which is pretty fucking cool. Lovely. Yes. What's the master edition um, comprise of them? So yeah, the the actual core book is ICRPG core, and then you've got mm-hmm. there's two expansions to it. One called Worlds, which added a, uh, a weird West setting in. And one called Magic, which basically gave you expanded rules for Magic. 
And basically, it's going to mm-hmm. be a combination of the lot, but guns are now going to be their own damage die as well, because usually it was just a D6 for all weapons, but guns are now a D8, and magic's gone up to a D10, which is pretty fucking cool. But yeah, so cool. it's going to be like, this is not going to be the definitive version of the game. Perfect. I was hoping this would happen. Now I can pick it up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty fucking good, and um, it mm. looks to be like it for for any any type of setting you want to play. ICRPG is very very fun, and it's very supported online as well because of these like yeah. this culture of the fact that if you get have a setting for it, you need to also bring out paper minis for it. So there's just shitloads right. of resources this available. Is, they're just everywhere. Lovely. Well, you remember when we played Fallout ICRPG, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the person who wrote that actually included like shitloads of minis in there. It's got fucking uh, perfect. Can't remember any uh, like ghouls, all of the, the fucking Fallout monsters that Mr. I can't Handy. remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or everything basically. So it's a yeah, it's a pretty fucking cool game, and I would check Very it out good. because it's even if you just get it for the like GM help section, it's so fucking good. But yeah, I've just been reading it recently, and uh, it's nice. so good. Yeah, yeah it is and good. just keep an eye out for Master Edition. I think it's the next couple of weeks it's coming out. Oh, perfect. But that's it for what we've been slaying, lads. Shall, shall we Ooh. do a bloody main subject? I can't wait. I'm really excited about yeah, this one. It's going to be wicked. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. Subject. So, uh, yeah, recently an article was published by John Peterson that claims to have found an RPG that predates Dungeons and Dragons. And for a while... What? Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can't act surprised when I said the, the name of the main subject in the intro of the show. <laughs> unless you've wow, forgotten okay, between then and now. <laughs> Probably. So, what? <laughs> um, yeah, for a while now, we believe that D&D was the originator of the hobby evolving from a medieval war game by Gary Gygax called Chainmail. But what if Gary Gygax was lying to us all along? And uh, dun, dun, actually, dun. exactly. So should we, today we're going to investigate this this rumor of a game that predates D and D. And I suppose what we'll do, if in fact it is proven that Gary Gygax didn't invent the hobby, we'll take his throne away. Yeah. Is yeah, that what's that? Yeah, I mean, R.I.P. Of course. Burn the books. Of course. Of course. Well, well, <laughs> well I don't know about that. We'll now, slap uh, the dragons. That'll do. We'll do. It sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Yeah. I was I'm going to slap the dragon. Yeah, it, it does a bit. <laughs> really slapping the dragon. I was like slapping the dragon. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm knackered. So by most accounts, right, D&D was published in 1974, but it was almost certainly played before that, right? You see, according to a variety of sources, D&D, as we know, it was really the product of a bloke called Dave Arneson, right? So Gary, that throne is moving further away by the minute. But um, <laughs> you see, in 1970, right, Guy Gags had made his medieval war game rules called Chainmail, but not long after that, right, Dave Arneson, a person that he was friends with, began using the rules in like a really creative way, right? So rather than control a whole squadron of knights or dragoons or whatever, players in Dave Arneson's game would take control of one or two heroes rather than an enemy, like a whole army of them and explore subterranean environments looking for treasure and killing monsters. 
Mm. So, exploring Dave Arneson's world called Blackmore, players would also seek to improve their heroes, get better loot, and uh, get better at slaying, at slapping the dragon. Ah, yes. (laughs) And, of course, as you guys well know, these aspects became a staple ingredient that we see today in D&D, and, of course, as soon as Gygax caught wind of it, he also began doing the same thing in his own game, which was set in a world called Greyhawk. Which then went on to become a main setting for D&D. But in any case, while we all know about D&D's origins in Wargaming, it's important to note that while D&D was first published in 1974, it was being played at least a few years earlier. But while this was going on deep in America, lads, in the deep, deep wilderness of the English Moors... Some radical Brits had their own ideas. Mm, Yes. You see, in 1970, when Chainmail had just come out, a group of gamers in in the UK, in Bristol, called the Bristol Wargamer Society, had published the first edition of Western Gunfight. Now, bear in mind, that was the same year that Chainmail was published. So this is 1970 we're talking. And the rulebook was a compilation of rules the group had been using as early as the 60s. 1960. Wow. <laughs> What's interesting about this is that in the pages of a uh, local publication called Bristol Wargame Society Journal and in another one called Wargamers Newsletter, another publication, this mm. group of gamers started to suggest radical changes to traditional skirmish simulations they had all played, suggesting that the Western gunfight rules were also a storytelling method. Um, good for more than just simulating shootouts. And... The way they played the game, they had recurring characters, villains, and plots. And, uh, yeah, you won't see this because it's in our show notes, and also this is an audio medium. But you can actually find artwork for one such villain from their original campaign, a character called El Manolito, who stands triumphant with a bottle of pilfered booze as his comrades relax and sing songs. So, yeah, so far, lads, it's not looking good for Gary, is it? No. No. It's looking good for... Britain. Good for the, the good old Britain. Good old Britain. <laughs> um, but funny enough, though, Churchill probably did actually play war games, didn't probably. he? Yeah, well, yeah. Because they used to of use it did, to yeah. S- simulate, yeah. Was he playing Western Gunfight in uh Get me my WGF. Is that? I mean, if we if we beat the Nazis using the Western gunfight uh, strategies, then that is impressive. That would be cool. Fuck all of this World War Two stuff. Get me a bloody cold revolver. <laughs> I show them with my six Now I'm just imagining Winston Churchill like sitting there, putting his hat, like putting a cowboy hat on, sitting at a table, and people are like, "Come on, mate, you got to do a character voice." I am. I've been on the lone dusty trail for some time Um, This is stupid This is stupid Right, moving on It's my understanding, right, that many, many skirmish games include a plot, okay, and a story And while you don't quite have agency that you would in like an RPG You control the character or a few and fight shit upset by a referee So this doesn't necessarily make Western Gunfight an RPG yet Mm, Okay but what may tip it more in this direction is this. Churchill famously said... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, the, we fight them on the board games. We fight them on the... Sorry. <laughs> we fight them in the West. Um, we fight them so on yeah, the, the tabletop. <laughs> yes. yes, James. <laughs> the Bristol Wargamer Society were aware that their approach 
to these uh, to these games was a little different to what others were doing at the time, and as such, they started to actually write publicly about how to embody a character, what it means to play a role in a skirmish game. In a skirmish game, and in fact, they published write-ups of their ongoing story in the Bristol War Gamers Journal. And interestingly, from what I can gather, both the bad guys and the good guys were played by players, Ooh. while the GM acted as a rules referee. Okay, it's interesting. Exactly. So yeah, they they were really role-playing but there wasn't like a standard where it was you just played the good guys or you played a group of like-minded people they just all played a character and then the gm sort of simulated a world yeah um but yeah one tale in the bristol magazine talks about two players robbing gold bullion from under the noses of two other groups of players as they fought each other which is pretty fucking cool <laughs> because everyone just had their own goals so it t- like two groups went to this town to go and rob it the third group heard about it and as the two groups were fighting over it the third group went into the safe nicked it and left without them even noticing yes, yes. now that's, oh, that sounds that's like a that villain that I mentioned earlier El Manolito I believe it was his crew that snuck in so they were sort of like genius sort of robber types which is fucking brilliant cool. it sounds like um, a game that we'd play really yeah if it was all kind of like uh, that yeah yeah um, well, except with a major difference really because um, in this story that they, they wrote in this thing it was also revealed that the uh, uh, the umpire as it was called in the rules <laughs> was running the game for 10 players Whoa. so oh, that's wow. why you had three separate groups of banditos okay. yeah yeah I like okay. the fact they're called an umpire that's so British umpire yes it really is, isn't it? I'm going to start doing that and sitting on like a really fucking high chair. I was going like, to say, yeah. yeah. Next time we all meet up again, you got to be on a like a like a high, high in a high chair. I'll get. I'll, I'll just I'll be sitting there like chair. somebody somebody rolls a fudge like, or, or they accidentally fuck it up, and I'm like net fifteen love. Imagine if we oh, brought it back. You know, like Hawkeye on the tennis, where it like goes to the video ref. Imagine if we had that <laughs> facility on like dice rolling. It's like no, nah, no. Nah, I'm going to put. I'm going to call an inquiry on this one. You have to watch the dice roll like super slowly from different angles. <laughs> I saw. I I saw you. Like, I saw cocked. you nudge it a little bit as it came out your hand. <laughs> yeah. You did the wrist flick at the wrong angle. <laughs> yeah. By Grabthar's hammer. What a savings. Even more interestingly, right? Western gunfight included uh, rules for leveling up. Another staple RPG. Uh, another staple of the RPG genre, Ooh. containing three levels: basically novice, average, and professional. And also contained wall- rules for weapon proficiency. So you know the sort of things characters have in RPGs. Anyway, Western Gunfight did really well at the time within the wargaming community in the UK, so much that its second edition was released in 1971, and designed by a man called Steve Curtis, Western Gunfight also began seeing a few supplements, including a colonial period spin-off, in the pages of which Curtis says this. The player's approach to the rules should be that of the writers. Oh no, he's from Bristol. Hey, up! The player's approach to the rules should be that of the writers. Every situation should be seen as if the figures were in fact men, and the responses should be made accordingly. Any situation not specifically covered by the rules, and there will be many, should be resolved by considering is it physically possible, and how long would it take, and is it logical. So what he's saying there is that you're supposed to put yourself in the shoes of your little man. Ah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean... Role-playing games. It's looking a little bit like role-playing to me. It's a role-playing game. Gary... Gary's in big trouble. We're going to have to go and dig him up and take his crown away. <laughs> Sorry, that's disrespectful, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> God, well I, I only realised as I was saying it, I was like, maybe that's a bit offensive <laughs> to a man, a real man who actually died. Um, sorry. Sorry, everyone. Um, 
<laughs> Fuck me. So Steve <laughs> Curtis, he can he continued writings in the Bristol War Games Journal and uh, espoused this new way of play further and further as he continued to play. He often preached the need for decent, detailed protagonists rather than games being all about the rules. Along with this, he was probably the first in the world to write about the idea of winning not being the goal, rather a good story being the yes. goal. Yes. Oh even, my he god. He even went as far to question whether or not what he was doing was still wargaming. But uh, with an article published in 1983 entitled, But Is It Really Wargaming? Bless him. <laughs> Sounds like he was Mate, having a bit of yeah. a crisis. Well, the trouble is, though, is that it, the, these, this sort of uncertainty and the reason he was having a crisis is because the products they were making, RPGs didn't exist and they were trying to sell to people who played war games. Yeah. So in the article, he actually argues, yes, it is. It's just got a story. But he, just, but but he liked the like, depth of it. That's the thing. He liked that kind of role-play aspect as well, which obviously is part and parcel in the modern game, but it was well, lacking in the old games. If you do play skirmish games, like, you know, that shitty Fallout one, for example, it's probably, it would probably make it more fun just to put yourselves in the shoes of the character. Even if you're not doing a voice and, uh, and all of this stuff, but just sort of like acting yeah. how they would yeah, act just in the totally. fight you know? it makes it more, feel more re- and especially if it's like you know these war game in, like if it's like a simulation type game that makes it more interesting mm. because you don't have you know if you've got an army and you start thinking about the army's morale you start thinking about how long they've been out on the battlefield you think about the weather conditions and <laughs> yeah. then that kind of stuff lends because to like their, boot, their boots f- are yeah. full of murky water they're irritable yeah you know? exactly um, and, you know, all, we've all kind of done it like where or i say, say we've all done it we've all at least know about a situation where someone's playing a game and they know that well it doesn't affect them in real life so they don't care and they're just like well just there's one goal and I'll sacrifice half of my team to achieve it whereas you know when you're actually doing the role playing and putting yourself in the them shoes it's just like well no because those individuals so you're talking about like a situation for example where you know a mob boss might leave his entire crew at the behest of a pack of lions and wolves (laughs) yeah we've also yeah he's just like that's fine (laughs) nah it'll be alright it'll be alright yeah yeah, that kind of stuff. Evil. There's been way Pure worse evil. shit going down in that campaign than what he did. <laughs> That's true. That is fucking <laughs> true. true. That was. That, I think. I think Nick made the the best of a bad situation. To be honest, he's the smartest one. He needed one. that slot. I needed that. Yeah. Thing is, look, look at it from this point of view, right? So you know, you're all, you're a capable gang. Um, I was being chased by lions. I had the sloth, which will help us get that contact back for basically medical attention when needed. Oh yeah, the great. Right. It's a strategy. It was all strategy, mate. It's all strategy. Of course, I don't blame and you. And a little bit of cowardice. A little bit of cowardice. I'm glad you can sleep at night, Nick. Cause, <laughs> Just uh, about. Yeah, you prick. <laughs> I was thinking actually, um, I might have a couple of a uh, couple of eggs for lunch. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'd like you to lay them, Nick. You chicken. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, let's let's get back to to, to Western gunfight, yes. right? Because this uncertainty about is this war game and is it not could easily be seen as a transition into a new type of game entirely. Now. Gary Gygax, now this is the most damning piece of evidence of all. He wasn't unaware of this shift happening. In fact, mm. guess what? He had a subscription to the Bristol War Gamers Journal. No way. <laughs> I know. No way. And he knew all about all of this, even going as far as to play in a Wild West setting himself with his players and even making his own Wild West wargaming rules called Boot Hill in 1975. And when the RPG revolution finally happened, Gygax even ended up rebranding and remaking Boot Hill into an RPG. (sighs) 
So not only was this the dungeon delving idea, Dave Arneson's idea, the role playing idea was uh, fucking Steve Curtis, Gary Gary Jackson. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Jackson. I got too excited. Gary Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, of course, Western Gunfight was uh, eventually rebranded as Western Gunfight, the old West role-playing game. But this <laughs> happened in, in uh, 1980. And Steve Curtis, who was responsible for all of this, is sadly no longer with oh. us and actually died in 1975 and so just missed the meteoric rise of role-playing oh, that he shame. himself really Created. brought about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. But oh, had he shame. still been around, I think it's quite possible he could be demanding money off TSR. He'd be the one running to the cemetery now with the shovel, listening to this. <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> Hungry, his, his tongue flapping in the breeze. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rules for a Western gunfight were published the same year Chainmail come out. And the game had been played for a while before Chainmail, right? But it's actually hard to determine when they started role-playing because, bear in mind, although all of this evidence is quite damning and it does look like they they were the ones that really started up role-playing, what you have to remember is that, that a lot of this stuff, yes, they were playing Western Gunfight 10 years before anyone was even uh, conceived of playing Chainmail in the way that Dave Arneson was, right? But the thing is, is that we don't know if they started role-playing in 1960 or if they started doing it around the same time people started doing it when they were playing Chainmail. They could have been using it as a skirmish game for 10 years, then started up. The Blackmore campaign as well that Dave Arneson ran where he first did Dungeon Delving and shit like this. It's also, mm. uh, we know it started in the early 70s, but we don't know specifically when. So it's a little, it does muddy the issue somewhat, but it looks to me, I don't know what you guys think, but it looks to me like Western Gunfight was the first role-playing game. I feel like, I think so. I feel like it's definitely there, but it, they kind of they le- missed out the opportunity on the publishing side that's what i think as well that's uh, that's 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 my theory too and i mean that was a pretty quick main subject but to tell you the truth there's not much that information out there about it but i would say this just never believe anything <laughs> ever <laughs> i reckon like, i don't even believe that we exist yeah we don't in, in like a couple of weeks time it's gonna be like rpg found that predates western gunfight and it was called eastern sword fight yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, maybe, then it'll be like and, uh, uh, one that predates that bible page <laughs> yeah. yeah missing bible page that's got like exactly. uh, it's got testament it's got testament on it first rules oh my god it's like one of those like shitty dan brown novels it's like it's on the back of a painting like in the sistine chapel or some uh, shit. map a dungeon map yeah <laughs> and it's like the, you, the person flips it around it's like Oh, this is just a bunch of scribblings. Yeah. But wait, turn it upside down. <laughs> These are words. <laughs> and it's like, and they played games to learn lessons, life lessons. Yeah, we yeah, need to yeah, know. Yeah. We need to know more about this 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 sixties movement. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can track down a copy of the rules, and maybe we can actually get into oh, it. Oh my please. god, that'd be so the, good. The inf- information about it that's out there at the moment is. It's quite, it's quite little, and as as for dates and stuff like this, unfortunately, the pages of the uh, the the Western the what is it called Bristol Wargamers Journal that were in the article that claims this stuff, they didn't, they weren't dated or anything like this, so it's 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 quite difficult to tell. But uh, yeah, I think it's looking like, I mean, the likelihood is if they were playing for ten years between when they started and when Chainmail even came out, 
the likelihood is that they, I think, they were probably role playing before D and D was even conceived as an yep. idea. So and it was just, yeah. it was just like, a, it was like a house ruled yeah. version of wargaming that it's, they were probably quite like proud of, but no need to publish because you're playing with your guys, and yeah. then just, you just stole the idea to to make it public. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I will say this though: is it's not look, just put your shovels away, all right, people? Because I think the attitude at the time was kind of different. If if say for example, I published a new radical idea now, and God knows I need one. Um, <laughs> the, the imagine if I did that right, and then I and then I saw somebody, some other indie publisher, published their own thing. I mean. It's quite you would be you would feel shitty about it because nowadays the, everyone and their dog is publishing and original ideas are worth their weight in yeah. paper, right? Mm. So yeah, and back the point then, is, is that no one was doing. Back it. then, it was sort of like it was mm. this collaborative thing. No, mm-hmm. self-publishing was uh, more difficult to do, and people did it using home equipment and things like this. Not only that, but it was more like there's this sense of collaboration. The reason Gary Gygax was sort of uh, uh, subscribed to that magazine is because yeah, people did share ideas and they did it yeah. willingly so mm-hmm. but then to sort of take their idea and make millions off it I'm not sure I I'm not sure I agree Gary and if you're listening to this from uh, your seat in heaven <laughs> just, well find Stephen and apologise to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> they might be playing they might be gaming right now I doubt it they'll probably what? be on, on on like tables sort of next to each other sort of and, and Steve yeah. Curtis what, like is a, like a con like stink eyeing each yeah, other and they're, yeah they're really <laughs> giving each other the evils and he's like he d- yeah <laughs> what what I really like about this, though, is that it shows that there's been this urge to roleplay a cool character in a cool situation for years, years and yeah, years. Yeah, exactly, years. exactly. And I, I think, I think it's quite. I actually like the fact that we it sort of muddies the issue a little bit because yeah. it means that I don't think fantasy has to be the standard for roleplaying games Mm-mm. anymore. No, That's it. We're chugging it all out the window. We're going western. We're going western gunfight. That's it. That's it, lads. War gaming. Right, well that is it for uh, that's it for the main subject. So should we uh, answer some questions in the Electro letters? Yeah. Let's In the future, you will be able to send a letter from anywhere on the planet. This is the future. This is the electro letter. I love it. Right, elect- electro letters. Let's do uh, let's do this one. So Terry Hansen. He's got a couple of questions. His first one is, what is a good musical choice to play while running old school D&D modules like Keep on the Borderlands, The Isle of Dread, and maybe In Search of the Unknown? It's Dungeons of Synth, Yes, so music for old school D&D. James, you're suggesting Dungeon of Synth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good choice. Um, go well, for the, the more easiest. popular ones. Like uh, Mortis is pretty good. Thangodorim. Yeah. See, this is what I hate about Dungeons and Dragons. Like the the names, they're so bad. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. Fuck the names. If you just, um, if you literally just said into YouTube or whatever your platform of playing is, I think YouTube is probably a good one. And then you just said, you know, old school like RPG or Dungeon Synth or something like that. Then it would probably play the thing you want. As opposed to, and that's good for old school stuff because yeah. it's got like an epic feel, a bit murky, and and also, um, I would say, if there's any artist that you should listen to, it's a guy called Irang, E R A N G, and he, um, well, he's sort of transcended the genre in a lot of ways because it's it's kind of a bedroom genre of music, but you know his music gets used in documentaries and in films Ooh. and things like this, and it's really fucking good. Um, but he's also. Uh, made playlists of like you know 10 hours of his fucking music on YouTube and stuff yeah. so yeah it's pretty good it rang um, yeah I'd agree with that I think also I, I do like um, for 
when running fantasy games, just putting on uh, the relaxing World of Warcraft yeah. music because it's it's yeah, uninvasive a winner. and yeah. there's hours and hours and hours of it. And so yeah. it also kind good. of depends like on what's going on, but you could easily just sort of put in you know ambient fantasy noises as opposed to music, so it's just really subtle. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, and, the sound of a tavern. Yeah, and it's just something. I, I tried like to that. do that once on. Um, on the iPad because I downloaded an app that's like soundscapes for RPGs and it had like sci-fi ones and fantasy ones and I'm like you're in a field oh quickly I'll just unlock the iPad tap in the code uh, right okay and then the app's like, closed like, right reload that right okay <laughs> yeah it's like that is for the amount of atmosphere it creates it's not worth it but if you just put like one on the background it's kind of fine yeah I always find that when you get to like a really epic fight and there's the most relaxing nature noises happening in the background yeah. I'm always like because I mean, James fights. you've got your TV remote there and I'll just be like um, James can you just put on like some fucking like epic music and then we'll put on some like really hench or orchestral music well yeah. that, that's the tip isn't that's the tip isn't it if you've ever got like a fight scene or everything something's getting really really dramatic then you just got to quickly punch anything with epic in it <laughs> yeah 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 totally because there's these really weird playlists of like uh i don't know what to call them really but it's like electronically made um, orchestral music mm. and they've just got the weirdest names and obviously what they do is they'll put in like as many keywords into the title as they can <laughs> yeah so many trigger <laughs> yeah, names. So it's like epic vengeful disgusting fight music Deadly, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, large, yeah, big, yeah. euphoric. <laughs> yeah, but they do the job, you know. Yeah. It's it, yeah. I, I, but it's such a weird thing, and it, I, I always see this as well. Like with D and D YouTubers who don't talk about D and D, it would be like how to do this in D and D or any other role playing game. But they have to put D and D into the title so that people will come to the fucking yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should we should just start doing that on these, you know. Just put like, I mean, this one's a good one because it's going to be called the RPG that predates D and D. But like, we should rename l- all of them. <laughs> yeah, just go back, rename them, and be like GM tips for D and D and any other review yeah. of um, Alpha Blue and how you can use it in D and D. Even though it's, it was in the episode, we'll say nothing about it. No, you should just be yeah. like the D and D review of Alpha Blue. Because then it'll be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's how you get around it. You just put D and D player reviews Alpha yeah. Blue. That's what you do. D and D lovers. That's the tonic. <laughs> Epic, vengeful, disgusting fight review <laughs> for the D and D fans. Uh, and then the he, other it's Terry Hansen. He followed for the D and D fans. He follows up with, uh, "What's your opinion and any tips on running games in the wilderness? How do you handle bad weather?" How do you keep from losing your dice in the dirt? Any ideas to keep squirrels from stealing your snacks? Tents, mm. mate. Get a tent. Tents. Gazebo. Gazebo. Well, yeah, then you're going to put players right on edge. We know the famous gazebo story. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. <laughs> well, uh, we've done it a couple of times because we... Uh, can you consider your back garden the wilderness, Nick? Especially uh, if you get a lot of birds and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's good close enough, isn't it? But I think you're you're right Wait, among civilizations. Uh, I'm it, not sure. We mm. did it um, when the, after the first lockdown let up in the park. That's true. Yeah. I'll say okay. So tips for running a game outside, which is really fun to do if you ever get the chance. It's so nice. Make, make sure you have stuff to hold your sheets down. That's for sure. Yes. I mean, yes. My, you need my, weights and trays. Yeah. Weights and trays, and yeah, yeah. Because if you you to stop rolling in the dirt like a fool, yeah, just get a <laughs> dice tray. Yeah. Every, everyone um, has the dice tray that we know. But what annoyed me is my brother. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's quite stupid sometimes. And I, I was just like, I gave him his character sheet, and he went, "Cheers." 
puts it on the ground, starts rolling a cigarette, and of course it fucking blows away. And then and I'm he just, just like, just put at something it. on top of it, right? And <laughs> guess what he put on it? He put his fucking tobacco on it. So then he picks the tobacco up again to finish rolling a cigarette, and it flies off again. And he, he must have ran after it about five times. I'm like, just get a fucking stone or something. Pebble, What's wrong mate. with you? Next time you're down the beach, just get some round pebbles. Keep Stick them in, them your, in your pockets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> walk them all and the then way walk back. into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah. So yeah, I would say get get some pebbles. If you don't want squirrels stealing your snacks, oh, I mean, how aggressive are the squirrels in America? Because the ones well, in this country generally won't come up. No, no, no. To here you. you go. No, they're quite polite. If if you don't want squirrels stealing your sta- snacks, get Buy a gun. No, to get extra <laughs> snacks for the squirrels and a gun oh that's nice I, I actually I did once um, uh, I was with a mate in I was going to say the name of the park but that's completely fucking irrelevant I was in a park right and I was eating a Kit Kat and a squirrel came right up to me and looked up at me ex- expectedly so I snapped off a bit and gave it to him and it was holding like half a one of those bars of Kit Kats and just nibbling on it it was adorable <laughs> what a lovely moment it really was um, but yeah so I would say get stuff to weigh your shit down yeah. um, bring speakers as well so you oh, can play absolutely. music I was, was going to say that yeah maybe play some nature noises over the mm-hmm. nature noises <laughs> yeah because who needs um, the real nature stuff? <laughs> yeah. more power yeah and uh, oh, bring, know, I've got I've got a good one um, if, if you're not too sure about the weather what you could do is you could bring your character sheet but pull it in one of them thicker plastic uh, wallets and then use a dry wipe over the top if you can't laminate a that's sheet. a great idea yeah because you could get one of those um, cases for a map couldn't yeah. you because you get those waterproof yeah. ones that you can write on there you go great idea although if it's raining like hell just go just go back yeah, inside yeah what are you doing it's like now we're preparing for like okay if there's a driving rainstorm and your town floods uh, just make sure you bring your dinghy with you <laughs> you carry on playing <laughs> then you've got five people just in dinghies like trying to paddle to stay in formation as you're playing this RPG yeah, that'd be fucking fun <laughs> wouldn't it that sounds fun um, yeah, that's it for Terry's questions. Garrett Weinstein, he said, no relation. He says, um, <laughs> when do we get to listen to a new Morkborg AP? You address this a little bit. When we can touch each other. Yes, exactly. We only yeah. do the APs in person because the conversation needs to flow properly. And it's looking mm-hmm. like it could be soon, but we're taking it not with a pinch of salt, but with a whole salt mine because, yeah, um, yeah the lockdown restrictions yeah. are going to ease in the UK very soon, but we don't know if it's actually going to happen, to what extent. So hopefully, we're hoping that by mid-June, <coughs> we should be able to get back together. That's and pretty much it. Yeah. That's when we we'll hope be, so. We'll pump them out um, where, where we can, really. Yeah, so yeah. That's the unfortunate thing about the today times. I mean, we tried it online, doesn't work, so fuck mm. it. But um, we will continue to do them. Um, but uh, yeah, just as soon as we fucking can, basically. Just when we can, yep. We got another message in from Dave Porter. Now, this is a long one, but I'm going to read the whole thing. He says, Hi, guys. Just finished listening to episode 76, and I noticed that quick-ass game system, or as you pronounce it across the pond, Quags! Quags! <laughs> <laughs> Got a mention. Don't judge an RPG by its blindingly stupid name, lads, because Quags is an excellent rules-like generic system made specifically for comedic one-shots, aka shit that's right up 3T RPG's alley trademark. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I will say before we move on with the question, we uh, after the episode we did look it up immediately and all downloaded yeah. it. So all yeah, of, us, we, all of, it, us of course it does seem right up our alley. Um, mm-hmm. Here is a link for the game system on Drive Through RPG. He includes a link. I'm not going to read that out. That'd be mental. Uh, they're giving it away as pay what you want during the pandemic. Um, for you to peruse, but here are some highlights. Yum yums. 
Imagine using actual candy as bennies, and you know what yum yums are. Yeah. Only don't imagine bennies because both Quags and Savage Worlds came out the same year, and either Steve Johnson and Leighton Connor owe Shane Lacey Hensley a Coke or vice versa. It serves the same function as bennies and XP and a few other RPG reward systems, but there's something visceral about there's something visceral about bribing your GM with candy to make something happen so that the poker <laughs> chip doesn't produce. Mm. It also lets you do the baller move of eating your own yum yums which would be the equivalent of lighting one of your bennies on fire at the table. (laughs) Um, WWPHITM? Continuing the the trend of shitty names for good ideas, this stat is who would would play him or her in the movie, which is a nice shorthand for your character's physical appearance and general attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Saves about 10 minutes of everyone's life once per session in a Quags game. <laughs> the, the supplemental <laughs> settings, like Sharktoberfest setting mentioned in the episode, Quags had a loads of loads of Gonzo. I've got to play that settings. Frat boys versus zombies, funkadelic Frankenstein on the mean streets of Monster Town, yep. laser ponies, and hobo mancer. Just to name a few. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> The team behind Quags had just finished up a Kickstarter supplement called Elvis Mancer, which finally asks the question, (laughs) what if Elvis impersonation isn't just a weird entertainment niche, but a full-fledged thaumaturgical tradition? Good stuff. (laughs) Quags, and Savage Worlds for that matter, hit a sweet spot back in 2003, and I think it's been overtaken by OSR and Powered by the Apocalypse a little... Why you want to do a one-shot in a genre that isn't represented in the RPG market, and you don't want something super crunchy like GURPS, but you don't want it quite as loose as Fate. It's a product of its time for sure, but def- definitely worth a read. P.S. <laughs> Quags. Quags. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny because I heard about that eating eating the bennies thing the other day as well. One of my favourite podcasts, Saving the Game, which is a Christian role-playing podcast, if you can believe such a thing. But it's, it's like really wholesome and really good. And they mm-hmm. were speaking about quags on there. And one of them was like, I don't know if I can say this, but quick... Uh, because they're so Christian, they bleeped the word ass from quick ass game system. Oh, no oh. way. But the, um, yeah, the eating the bennies thing, the weird thing is is that I, I actually did this a while ago. Do you remember, James? I ran... Yeah, yeah, ages ago. A um, Stranger Things game, and I was trying to find like appropriate bennies. And because you're playing kids... Um, yeah, I'd uh, starve us like little sweets, and you had to that eat it cool. to spend the penny. But yeah, I think Quags sounds fucking great. Yeah, it and does I've, sound I've, fun. Uh, yeah, we've all downloaded the PDF, and we'll have to fucking give it a try because those settings sound amazing. Like, I'd, oh, I'd did, really... say Funk and, did it say Funkenstein? Yeah, uh, Funkadelic Frankenstein. Oh, that's it, Funkadelic Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it, this sounds right up our alley, and I like mm-hmm. the whole thing of it being. Um, geared towards one shots and also you know the who would play him in the movie right yeah <laughs> that thing i do that in my notes for shorthand so i don't have to put down how their personality is things like this it can be a fictional yeah. character um but yeah just sort of looking at my uh i'm just gonna i'm gonna actually get my notes out now but uh yeah so if i've got an, an npc like written down right so i've got this one in a uh, camp future campaign i'm planning and his name's Borscht, and he's the Corporal of the Watch, and I just put played by Sean Bean. And that pretty, pretty much tells you everything you need to know. I, I think a friend of mine, a friend of the show, actually, Owen Lane, he um, he does this actually in person when he plays the game. So it, we were playing his uh, modern setting one time, and he just goes, you see the gang leader, and he's played by Vin Diesel, and immediately you get it. And I think it's a great fucking... Yeah. Uh, Great fucking shorthand is yeah. the way to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Works. Yeah, it's a really good Smart. way of doing it. But even if you do it privately in your notes, then you can remember just using a two short yeah. two thing. Like I've got like for example, played by Alan Partridge, and it'll just be like you know, it'd be something <laughs> like that. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a great fucking idea. And uh, yeah, yeah, we we definitely maybe we'll review Quags soon. I might do like a quick review I on Abundance or something. I think we owe it to to Quags. It's given us it's given us minutes of lazy content uh, to, to yes. attempt to be funny. So we do owe it something, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but all right then. That is it for the questions, and thank you very much for sending them in. Um, I, if you are gaming outside and it's pouring with rain, just get the fuck back. Do something else. All right, life's too short. <laughs> we'll get a really big umbrella, and um, we mean yeah. really big, really big, not really big. You could do the classic manoeuvre that people do in Britain of stealing one of the umbrellas from a pub table <laughs> when you're steaming. Ooh. Yeah, you've you done that. When when the wind blows it the wrong way around and it breaks, you just got to bin it. So you see, like after a stormy day, the next day you just see like bodies so like, everywhere. So many. The, uh, uh, the thing I like is that how casually stealing pint glasses is like it's just something everyone does in this country it's like it's like one of I don't know how we've got into this at least once everyone's done it at least once I've got I'm drinking out of a stolen pint glass now (laughs) I've got one that um, has been with me for about I don't know Years, because yeah. um, it's, it's travelled for me uh, through. Uh, it always lives at work. My favourite was when we were teenagers, James, and we were like, uh, I was like, I need some new glasses for my flat. James would get both of our pints, right? Slide, but he'd hold them sort of pointing down to the ground. Slide his arms up his jacket and then just walk out with two fucking glasses <laughs> where his nice. hands should be, and then we just drink the rest of our pints on the way home. No Fuck one noticed. Yeah. Stupid, stupid. It's like the most casual crime that happens in England on the daily. Yeah. And also, yeah. you know, putting everything through as onions when you're doing your shopping. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what pubs account for for nicked glasses. Well, that's what they had to do at the Weatherspoons because they had to get unbranded glasses to make up for the amount of stolen ones that they did have. Yeah, it, 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 there was a news story recently that was like um, something like, the, but pub like the pub industry is being cost like 1.5 million a year in stolen glasses. It's so bad! <laughs> oh my god! So if you do do it, just do it from one of the chains like Weatherspoons. That's fine. That's acceptable, yeah, but, that, but ironically, it's harder to steal from those ones. No, this is wrong. We shouldn't be talking mm. about techniques. All right. Anyway, let's um, do an outro, shall we? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> My name's Alan Rickman, and I'm Jim. Gen- no, no. My name's also Alan Rickman. No, I'm. I'm no, Alan. I'm, no, no, I'm the real Alan Rickman. No, wait. I'm Alan Rickman. <laughs> but I'm not. No, wait. No, what? No, no, I'm Alan Rickman. No, shush. I'm. La- I- Tabletop twats. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, I just want to thank the following patrons. I'm moving it to the end because I think it was annoying people, but I don't know actually. It might be um, Ace B, Ryan Wayhab, Julian Burnick, and Jason Duncan all donate at the Dreadlord level over on Patreon, and as a result, they're part of the Dark Army. But you guys out there in Radio Land can be also for the low, low price of a dollar. Um, yeah, we got uh, we got tiers for all shapes and sizes, all different types of bonus. <laughs> so uh, yeah, just get get the fuck on there. Get, get do yeah. it and of course yeah check out the uh, 3T RPG publishing on Drive for RPG our latest product which was done by Richard Walcock is completely fucking free and it's three pre-gens for your uh, Savage Worlds games based on us but yeah mm. fucking uh, that's it for today's show um, if you want to contact us go to 3T RPG oh no I've forgotten it oh what 3T RPG oh, 3T RPG, RPG, RPG pod, pod. Gmail.com. 
Yep, and uh, we're on all the social medias. We're on Facebook. We're on Muntfungler. Yeah. <laughs> Muntfungler. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've been on there for ages, James. Yeah, we're, come on. Uh, we're on Muntfungler. We're on Friendface. We're on... Uh, Friendface, you know, all them, all them, all them mainstream Fwizzle. ones. Yeah. Fwizzle. All right, uh, that is it for another episode. I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. And I've been James Clark. Right, can you all three, all of us say that again, but like about 20, tw- uh, 20% of the speed, because this episode is one of the shortest ones we've done in a while, to give value. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I've... No, that's going to be annoying. Right. Uh, <laughs> remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that, that's a fun time. It's red. It's red. It's red. It's red. It's red.